Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. One of the most controversial topics in our culture today is gender identity. Some people strongly believe that gender is a binary choice between male or female, determined at birth. While others argue that gender is far more complex and can differ from the sex assigned at our births. I've heard Many people say that the idea of gender confusion is a thoroughly modern phenomenon, and that up until recently it has always been very clear that a person can only ever be male or female. However, there are some remarkable examples from history of people whose gender was not clear at all, and that it caused great confusion and consternation amongst the community and society around them. We see this in the fascinating account that we'll look at tonight. I'm Peter Laws, and tonight on Our Curious Past, we explore the remarkable life story of Thomasine Hall, an intersex person in 16th century Virginia. Before we dive into Thomason's story, let me just say that there are no records telling us which gender Thomason Hall personally preferred. But as you'll hear, Hall switched between male and female. So I'll just match the pronouns to whatever she or he was acting at at that stage of the story. I hope that makes sense. Thomason Hall was born on January the 2nd, 1603 into 1604. We know a lot about her early life because she would wind up eventually in Virginia General Court and copious notes were written about both the court case but also her origin. These notes are still kept on file in the U.S. Library of Congress. But Thomason wasn't born in America. She was actually born in a city called Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which is actually just 11 miles from where I was born, near Durham in the northeast of England. She was born and raised as a female, the daughter of Ralph Hall, who worked in the coal industry, and she spent her childhood in Newcastle until she reached the age of 12. It was then that her mother sent Thomason to live in London with her aunt. Now, since she had been brought up to present herself to the world as a female, she was educated as a female. She learned skills that would qualify her for female work rather than male work. And she would dress as a female and would be seen as having the same legal responsibilities and rights as other females did in England. However, by 1625, Britain was involved in the European wars. And Thomason's brother was called up to serve in those wars. 
he ended up fighting a naval campaign in Cadiz in Spain. Now, Thomason watched this and saw the war developing and knew she wanted to fight. So the Virginia court notes record that Thomason decided at that point to switch her gender from female to male so that she could get involved in the war. The notes read that Hall, quote, cut off his hair and change his apparel into the fashion of a man. And it worked. He was able to head off to war and took part in a siege in France. This was 1627. But unfortunately, her brother's battle in Cadiz and also Thomason's battle in France both ended in failure. Thomason returned from the war in France and settled into the English town of Plymouth. And it was here where he switched back to become a woman. The court notes read that, quote, he changed himself into woman's apparel and made bone lace and did other works with his needle. Now, Plymouth would end up becoming a life-changing place for Thomason because it was a port town, and by then it had become one of the major locations for the British to board the boats that were headed out to America. Thomason had only been in Plymouth for a short time, but after a time in France, she perhaps had developed a taste for adventure overseas because she watched those ships leaving for the American colonies and decided that she too would join the pilgrims and head out to the New World. And she did. She emigrated to Virginia, most likely with the status of a servant. But while she had worked as a female seamstress in Plymouth, she decided that when she traveled to America, she would switch back to becoming a man. And so she headed out on the boats and made the long, arduous journey across the Atlantic as a male. So when Thomason found himself in Virginia, he discovered that the colony was not very well established. There was a great deal of social inequality and the local political scene was messy and chaotic. It wasn't a particularly safe place to live either because the settlers were regularly getting into violent confrontations with the Native Americans who the British had just turfed out. And in the midst of this chaos, Thomason Hall took a job as a servant to two different men. One was called John Tyos and the other Robert Ayres. They both lived at a place called Treasurer's Plantation. Now, remember Thomason, I'd said, had arrived in America as a man. But once he settled into his new job, he decided to dress back as a woman again. And her boss, John Tyos, assumed that his new servant was indeed female and told his neighbors as much. Now, why did Thomason switch back to being a female? Well, historians like Julie Richter suggest that there was more of a need for female labor at that time in this growing colony, so it made sense for him to switch back to being a her. There's even a theory that the reason she did this was because the men would have been sent out to work in the tobacco fields, which was notoriously difficult work. Whatever the case, he switched back to being a she. And Thomason had become used to this fluid movement between male and female. But by now, the members of this new colony were getting annoyed and suspicious. Which gender was Thomason, after all? The real catalyst for a confrontation was when rumors began to spread through the local community that Thomason had become sexually involved with a female servant, known only as Great Bessie, in the court notes. A hall denied this affair. 
Now, let me explain why the rumor of this affair is such an important factor in the discussion of Thomason's gender. You see, at the time, this colony was running under English common law. And that law did indeed recognize fornication as a crime. But it only criminalized such actions between men and women. There was no law against women having sexual relationships with other women. And so the question became... If Thomason did indeed have an affair with a female servant, was that a heterosexual relationship, in which case it would be classed as fornication, or was it homosexual? So Thomason Hall was questioned about gender by a landowner called Nathaniel Bass, and the answer that Thomason gave is fascinating. When questioned about this, Thomason told him that, quote, he was both man and woman. This is an incredibly bold thing to have said, especially for a servant of low standing. Thomason clearly saw his or her or indeed their identity as simply not fitting into the binary categories of sex that everybody else seemed insistent upon. So Thomason's sex and gender became a topic of vigorous debate in the two houses where Thomason worked. And then Thomason was moved on to work in a new household, and that was of a new master called John Atkins. This was in a different part of the Virginia colony, a place called Warosquioki. And the controversy over Thomason's gender just grew even more here. It got to the point where the local community wanted to see for themselves exactly which gender Thomason actually was. And so, as you can imagine, they felt there was only one way to find this out, they would have to physically inspect Thomason's genitals. To us, this sounds a bizarre and intrusive procedure, but bodily inspections were not unheard of in these settler communities. This practice would only go on to grow in the 16th century, not so much about gender issues, but more to do with witchcraft. Women accused of consorting with Satan would be routinely searched, particularly their most intimate regions. The courts were looking for things like a witch's mark or a devil's mark. This was supposedly a physical seal on their bodies, which was to show their obedience to Satan. And the claim was that the devil would drag his claws across the witch's flesh and then would start licking the wound, and that would become a demonic skull pattern. They'd even search for something called a witch's teat, which was usually just a raised bump of skin like a wart or something. But they would see that as evidence of where the witch would be feeding imps and animal familiars. So they would routinely search the private parts for this devilish evidence. But with Thomason, it was it was very different. This was not about witchcraft. It was about who Thomason was, sexually speaking. And for them, they believed there was only two possible options. She was either a woman or he was a man. And through an examination of the genitals, it would solve it once and for all. Only, it didn't. These days, people argue about loads of different topics, not just gender. But there's one subject everyone seems to agree on. 
We love decent food. Well, that's a cue if ever there was one to tell you about our fabulous sponsor for today's episode, HelloFresh. HelloFresh deliver farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients right to your doorstep, letting you skip the store altogether. You get stacks of seasonal recipes that make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. I am really not surprised to learn that it's America's number one meal kit. I love how HelloFresh will adapt to what you want. So, for example, I'm trying to eat much healthier these days, and I know that protein is a really important part of that. HelloFresh help you achieve those goals with super tasty, calorie smart, and protein smart lunch and dinner options. That's pretty cool. There are loads of other snacks and meals you can add to your weekly order, like the fab s'mores bundle for kids. Though I reckon I qualify as a kid if s'mores are on the menu. And I love how HelloFresh basically saves you time and waste with all the pre-portioned ingredients. It's really worth trying. So go to hellofresh.com slash curious16 and use code curious16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash curious16 and use code CURIOUS16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I don't know if you've ever been searched at an airport or maybe you've even been body searched by a police officer. It's not exactly a pleasant experience. Indeed, it can be quite distressing. Well... Thomason was instructed to enter a hall and remove clothes. The clothes that covered even the most intimate and private parts. All this in a community of deeply religious settlers where displaying bodily flesh was not the norm at all. How did Thomason feel about this physical inspection? Well, who knows, but we can, I think, safely assume that Thomason may well have been scared or distressed but crucially perhaps worried that the local community were trying to find a way to corporately decide on who Thomason was, even though Thomason had lived a life moving between the genders that fitted the time. Yet the examination was not conclusive. The community were not sure after this physical examination of which gender Thomason was, and so they organised another exam. That one also wasn't clear, so they did it again. Over the period of 1628 to 1629, Thomason's genitals were physically examined on four separate occasions, mostly by women from the community. But on one of these occasions, two men came to the hall to look. And the court records say that when these two men came, they took Thomason and, quote, threw the said hall on his back so they could check between the legs. Bear in mind that if an examination happened today like this, it will be classed as abuse or assault. They might have assumed that just one exam, never mind multiple exams, would come up with a conclusive answer, but the locals were divided. For example, Thomason's female neighbours did an examination and decided that Thomason was a man. But those local men who also looked could not decide between them. Meanwhile, after these examinations, Thomason tried to go back into the community. But because they couldn't figure out which gender Thomason was, there was disagreement about how he or she or they should present themselves. For example, the local landowner, Nathaniel Bass, decided to go with the women's verdict and ordered Thomason to dress as a woman. But then, John Atkins, who was Thomason's new master, disagreed and ordered Thomason to dress as a man. They decided to examine Thomason again. That was for that fourth and final time. 
Based on this, John Atkins challenged Bass, declaring, and I quote, that the said Hall was found to be a man and desired that he might be punished for his abuse. Now we might wonder what he meant by the word abuse. I mean, what did Thomason do to warrant a call like that, an accusation? Well, Atkins may have simply been saying that the abuse was to see a person like Thomason thinking it was okay to move between genders. Or it may have been related to this affair with Great Bess, the female servant. Remember that if it had been two women, it wouldn't have been a crime, but a man and a woman was sex outside of marriage and therefore was a crime. Whatever the rationale, Atkins' accusation meant that Thomason Hall would have to stand trial before a court. And the result of that trial may well shock you. The year was 1629 when John Atkins stood in court, giving his deposition on the gender abuse, so-called, of Thomason Hall. And this was a court that was still upholding English common law. Yet these early settlers were so far from their homeland in England, this was actually a new world, which might have given them some space for a bit of legal flexibility. And you see this in the results of this particular court case. You can read the minutes of the court verdict, which was given to Thomason Hall on April 8th, 1629. But listen to this quote. It shall be published in the plantation, where the said Hall liveth, that he is a man and a woman. He shall go clothed in man's apparel, only his head to be attired in a coif and crosscloth with an apron before him. Now, if you don't quite get the significance of that, let me put it in a simpler way. Thomason was legally declared as being both female and male and was therefore told by the court to dress in a combination of male and female clothing at all times. This this was huge, a, a clear example of the pliability of the law in the new world. This was a verdict that would really fly in the face of some of the accepted ideas of legal and religious custom back in England. Now, before we say this court was an example of early progressive liberal thinking or something, I think we need a bit of caution. It's quite possible that this declaration and enforced dress code was to control Thomason's interactions with others in the community. In other words, it would stop Thomason from ever acting as one or the other, which the court may well have seen as a deception. It also might have been a way of marking Thomason like the scarlet letter so that the chance of Thomason having any sort of romantic or sexual relationship with anybody was far less likely. Indeed, Thomason had to appear in court several more times just to prove that they were following the rules. And since the court records only go to 1629, we can't tell if Thomason continued living in this Virginia community or did they decide to move on and enter a new colony where they could choose one gender at a time? We, we don't know. But this story, I think the story of Thomason Hall is a fascinating one, and I think very timely. Based on the examinations, it appears that Thomason was born with a physical mixture of both genders. This 
happens. In fact, according to the University of Manchester, about 1.7% of the population of the world is born what is called, quote, intersex. Now, this actually means that being born intersex is as common as being born a twin. Now, this word intersex covers over 40 different variations in the physical sex characteristics of people, both internal and external. And only three of those conditions need medical intervention or help, you know, it's classed as a disorder. But for the vast majority of people who were born intersex, it's not a disorder, it's just how they were born. And today, society is becoming more and more open to understanding this. We live in a world, though, where gender identity is causing huge divisions in society, focused on the idea of people choosing which identity they prefer. And when you hear the debates, you will often hear that phrase, the modern world has gone crazy, as if this debate about individual gender is some new phenomenon. But I think the story of Thomas and Hall is a reminder that there have been individuals scattered throughout history who have lived and breathed these sorts of issues centuries ago. And Thomason is an example of a person who was probably born intersex and made that part of their lives, switching from one to the other, depending on which gender fit whichever situation. Some might criticize this as being deceitful on Thomason's part. But maybe Thomason was just having to play the game of what other people thought men and women were allowed to do. Like when Thomason went to fight in the war and so had to present as a male who knows, perhaps Thomason would have gladly existed as who they were, both genders, but they had to play the game of what other people expected of them. So, is it a surprise to see Thomason switching from one to the other? When you see the name Thomason Hall in print, there's often brackets around the I-N at the end of the name. It creates a kind of double meaning for that name Thomas, and then Thomasin as a reflection of how, for some people, it might not be as simple saying you are one thing and not the other. Sometimes you are a combination of both. That's what that name seems to represent. But so many people don't think that way, that there will continue to be confusion and suspicion and resistance, like Thomason's friends and neighbors and masters and indeed accusers in the court, who simply could not handle the notion that sometimes life may be more diverse than we think. I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to Our Curious Past and the remarkable story of Thomas and Hall, an intersex person in 16th century Virginia. Thanks for listening to Our Curious Past. If you want to get ad-free episodes of both this and my other podcast, Frightful, then why not check out patreon.com forward slash Laws, where you can find out more about me and support the work that I do, but also get access to a bunch of different exclusive extras and uh, Zoom meetups and all that sort of stuff. Also, you can find my books on Amazon. Just search for Peter Laws or indeed visit peterlaws.co.uk to find out more about uh, the things I do. But until next time, thank you for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.